Welcome to another episode of Young Entrepreneurs with the Greenberg Team. My name is Nelson Fernandez, and today we have Kate Held. Hi, everyone. So, Kate, would you like to tell the audience a bit about yourself? Yeah, of course. Um, I'm a junior studying finance and pre-law at Southern Illinois University Carbondale, and my goal is to be an environmental attorney. Awesome. I'm excited to have you here today to talk about what you're looking forward to in the future with sustainable law as well as the University Innovation Fellows Program. So diving right in, we're going to start off easy. Um, do you want to tell the audience a bit about like some of the things you like to do when you're not working and ways on enjoying life? Yeah, definitely. So uh, outside of school, I'm involved in the Saluki Student Investment Fund. I'm a sector leader for the Energy and Utilities Group. And kind of a fun story about that was uh, one of my minors is environmental studies. And so as a freshman, when I entered the fund, I interviewed and my advisor was like, hey, what is this environmental studies minor? And I was like, oh, I'm a huge environmentalist. Like, I don't want to be in the energy sector. And he was like, OK, we're definitely not going to put you in the energy sector. Lo and behold, I'm now the sector leader for um, energy and utilities. But it's been a really great experience and one that was not anticipated, just in the sense that my arguments towards the environment have strengthened so much more. I understand more of that business side and uh, how energy companies run and how it's not an easy flip to just go sustainable as much as everyone wants it to be. But it's cool to see how much uh, effort's been into there, especially with like ESG, which is this new standard. It's called uh, environmental social governance and how that's interplaying with renewable companies and so on the fund right now we're uh, switching out an oil-based company for a solar-based company called first solar which is really exciting so is that similar to divesting um in a sense uh yeah i guess you could say because you're divesting from oil but yeah nice mm -hmm. so outside of clubs too do you like what do you like about the carbondale area um, one of the big reasons I came to SIU compared to other schools was the fact that it's housed in the Shawnee National Forest. So right now it's a little cold to go outside, but I love to hike and explore different areas. Um, I love to go cliff jumping. That was kind of one of the first things I did here. Uh, this last semester I went to Piney Creek for the first time where they have hieroglyphics. So that was really cool mm. to see these like Native American designs on something so close to where I live. So that was pretty cool. I actually never heard about that. Yeah, it's like 30 minutes from here. It's really, really pretty. So I really liked it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I know that's one of the reasons I chose Carmendo too, was mm -hmm. just not being in typical like farmland Illinois, but being able to go out hiking, see everything. It's nice. It's peaceful. No, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. I grew up in Springfield, Illinois, which is flat and a lot of corn. So anytime I see a rock that's above 30 foot, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so <laughs> cool. And I kind of just nerd out. But nice mm -hmm. so being from springfield is that how you got into the law track um i think it did have undertones of it that i didn't realize so obviously springfield houses um like the state capitol and that's where all the politicians from springfield go and i think it's also just kind of like an interesting melting pot of people in the sense that um it kind of has this like political intermixing of people because Springfield itself is very blue, whereas the surrounding communities that depend on Springfield are more so red. And that especially exposed itself during COVID and kind of how Springfield had to like figure itself out and find that balance between these two opposing parties. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
So what I'm hearing about is you're into sustainability, mm-hmm. tab on the political side, and definitely on the environmental side, this nature and just being connected to it. Definitely. So I know one main chunk of what this episode is all about is the University Innovation Fellows Program. Mm-hmm. So how did you get connected there? Um, I got connected to the University Innovation Fellows by the one and only Nelson. Uh, I met Nelson in his first year of the Green Roof Project, and I think I saw your announcement in the Honors 411. I said, hey, this looks like a cool project, this seems like a cool dude, and I just kind of showed up. (laughs) And um, it was really cool to see the design thinking workshop, I had never really done one of those before. And it was really cool too, just coming as like a business pre-law major. I was not a typical engineer. I didn't really know anyone in that uh, group. And so they were still so welcoming and they welcomed my perspective because I didn't come from um, that engineering forestry dynamic. And so ever since then, Nelson and I have been super close and he really encouraged me to apply for UIF and I became part of the 2021 cohort. Wonderful. And we actually mentioned that same workshop on a few episodes in the past, mm-hmm. um, I believe with Zach, Jacob, and Gustavo. And mm-hmm. I think on that day, you actually worked with Gustavo and Jacob. Mm-hmm. Yep, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Do you remember from back there what you did and how it made you feel? Um, I remember we got into separate groups. We kind of defined problems that we saw with the green roof. And again, this was in like the very beginning stages. And we broke into groups on what we kind of wanted to address the quickest. And based on that, we brainstormed, wrote it up on post-it notes, and then presented to the rest of the group uh, what we thought. And then they kind of bounced their ideas off of us. And I remember it just being very open. We had people who had their PhD, and then we had me a freshman and it just kind of felt like we were all on the same playing field and that everyone's ideas were valued. Most definitely. I know in that workshop we had uh, Tom Hobacker and I remember Dr. Parks was there too. Yes, Logan Park. Mm-hmm. I remember his first name, couldn't remember his second. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, they when they were tackling one of the problems too, they just had it from a much different perspective being in academia for so long. Yeah. Um, Dr. Hobacker, he actually retired recently came came to a surprise to me yeah yeah but it was a great time i know you enjoyed it mm-hmm. Teresa's did gustavo <laughs> so many others yeah it was a great experience so up until now being in uif has there been any events any connections any project ideas um well our 2021 cohort we are currently working on a touch of nature project And so kind of going through uh, the first six weeks of UIF where they really challenge you to identify gaps in your campus and where you could allocate more resources. So we immediately thought of Touch of Nature. We thought this is a hidden gem that more people need to know about. And we started surveying the student body and we found that if people did know about Touch of Nature, they didn't know if they were welcome there or what it quite was. And so that uncertainty prohibited them from going and experiencing Touch of Nature. Mm -hmm. Uh, We initiated a conversation with the director out there and he addressed a need for new infrastructure. And so if you go out there now, they have these really cool looking cabins, but they definitely are pretty old. They were actually uh, World War II barracks from Peoria, Illinois. Mm -hmm. And so they cut them into fifths, brought them down to Southern Illinois and those are our cabins and so while that is a really cool piece of history uh, times have changed since in the 1940s and so uh, the hospitality sector is just needing a reboot there 
And so we thought it would be a really cool idea to make it almost like a research um, park for SIU and get a variety of the different colleges out there to build new cabins. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. So taking a step back, what is Touch of Nature? That is a very good question. Touch of Nature is a environmental education center about a 15 minute drive from SIU. Uh, It's on Little Grassy Lake and it has about 3,500 acres. And so out there right now, they have those cabins, they have a hotel, um, they have this really cool leadership course. And so I've been out there a few times and that has helped uh, the different RSOs. I've been in so much, it's been a great experience. They have a high ropes course, which is really fun. And then my first introduction to Touch of Nature was the 2019 Dog Days where they bring about 100 incoming freshmen and they just spend time out there. And that was instrumental. and me starting at SIU and just meeting a ton of different people. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know from hearing from all kind of students across campus, anyone who's been to Touch Nature, love it. Yeah. Only uh, horror stories I ever heard was about the uh, the different spiders. Yep, that probably came with the cabins there. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Especially the long-legged ones. I forgot the name. Oh, of Daddy Longlegs. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Fun fact, this is really random. But when I was a kid, I went to this environmental camp, and it was just instrumental in my childhood. And the reason that I know this fact is because one of the counselors, he said, Daddy Longlegs are the most poisonous spider. And then he picked one up, and he ate it. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's the most poisonous spider. Why did you just eat that? And he said, because it's such a small amount of venom that it won't affect you. And that is how I know that fact. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if over time uh, I caught up to him. Maybe. I don't know where he's at right now. I hope not, but... Okay, so cycling back to mm-hmm. the cabins, what do you guys envision? Um, so what we would hope is that we would bring in predominantly the architecture students, engineering, um, horticulture, and hospitality groups to kind of plan and focus um, a blueprint for the cabins, and we would hope that each cabin kind of focuses on a different aspect of Southern Illinois, just because it is such a unique and um, kind of spunky area. And so we would hope that it will um, give them more real life experience, which boosts their resume, which builds an even better alumni base for SIU, and then it um, acts as a spot for alumni to come back and stay at Touch of Nature and reinvest in SIU. So you mentioned that they have a hotel. Mm-hmm. on the property too yeah they have this really pretty conference room and they kind of built it so that it looks over part of the woods and that venue is just gorgeous i remember being there at dog days i was like oh my gosh this room i gosh everyone could see it it's truly gorgeous and then they have about 17 other rooms and so whenever they have hold conferences out there people can come and they can stay in those rooms so i'm betting it's also pretty well up to date it you're saying it is up to date or not? I'm up-to-date. asking. Um, if you like the 1970s, it is up to date, but it definitely needs just a, like a little bit of um, a reboot. And the directors out there, they know that um, it's just making sure that students are aware of it and that it's a resource that SIU should invest in, and it's getting the leaders of SIU to kind of see that. So hopefully, the new cabins will be at least 2000s. I mean, preferably 2022, but <laughs> yeah, I think. It would be really cool to get kind of a timeless effect and that's where more of the vision of like the architecture students and interior design get to come in because obviously it's their project so where they think the direction needs to go but yeah timeless would be awesome that's actually wonderful like 
you're focused on not doing the actual work but setting it up so then other students can have that opportunity yeah definitely because it would be really cool if I could design a cabin but if I go to apply for a law school and I design a cabin they're like okay that's awesome why as whereas it would just be so much more of a bonus for someone who's actually in that discipline and also they know so much more than I could ever know so I could probably make a, a cool project but they could make something truly memorable and awesome so in the grand scheme of sustainability, are you focused mainly on the environmental side or the social side as well? Because hearing about the project, I'm seeing it tackles both sides. Yeah, definitely. So something that our group really tried to focus on is the triple bottom line and the triple bottom line. It tries to account for people, profits, and the planet. And so the way we hit the planet is we want to help people design these energy efficient cabins that are just kind of a new wave of sustainability. Uh, I've seen a real life example of this in Lincoln, Nebraska. They have this place called Lead Lodge and it's this huge hotel venue and this was like in 2009 so I'm sure they've come really far since then but it was just like the sustainable hotel and I feel like a lot of time when people think about energy efficient and sustainability they think oh I have to make a sacrifice oh it's not going to be luxurious but they designed it in such a way that it was almost more luxurious because you were using those resources more efficiently and it was just a great experience I really enjoyed it and then we want to account for people because one of the reasons we felt so strongly about touch of nature and as you mentioned earlier today was that when people go out there they love it it becomes part of their story a lot of times I talk to alumni and I say hey have you heard about touch of nature and they go oh my gosh like I went swimming out there or I met my husband out there we've been married for 40 years and so you just hear it part of that story and people just have a reason to grasp onto that and so when they think about oh I need to protect our planet they can envision that planet that they're protecting the little grassy lakes the trees out there and then finally, we have profits because we hope for it to be a revenue source for SIU so that Touch of Nature could almost have its like own independency. Obviously, it's still related to the campus and everything like that, but that they would be in the green. But they're also a auxiliary, so they're handling their own finances? Um, in a way, they're... It's honestly a really interesting kind of connection point because they are under the university, but they're also state-governed and then they're federally governed, so there's a lot of... I don't, I don't know. It's beyond me. That's something the directors know. A lot of moving parts. Yes, definitely. Cool. So going back to the triple bottom line, mm -hmm. have you read up on the relatively new models where instead of having the direct finance, you have more of a people's category that c combines in the cultural aspect also? Um, I have not... Uh... I think just from a business perspective, it is pretty like profit driven, but you want to elaborate on that? Yeah. So from what I do know, mm -hmm. you still have the environmental side and then you have a new category called people where you focus on, I believe, the social side and the economic side and you one. That way you have a less focus on the economic side and then you have a new category focused on more of the cultural side of people. Okay. So ensuring that traditions are kept up and not mainly focus on the people as individuals, then the people's category, the social category being more focused on social justice and equality. Okay. Nice. And that's your lesson for the day. <laughs> okay. So connecting it all back to 
UIF? Mm-hmm. How are you using skills from there to go about the project? Um, this was something that Nelson and I kind of talked about before starting the podcast, but it's just kind of when you do these projects, you're going to run into bumps and you're going to get bruised a little bit. Uh, just like in the training that would happen to us quite frequently where we would say, okay, we think students are going to respond this way. And then they respond a different way. And we're like, okay, we have to change our approach. We kind of have to put in that more effort. And that's kind of what's happening to us right now in the grand project where, um, we hit bumps. Sometimes people say, no, I don't want to be involved. And we really thought they were going to be a key stakeholder. Or we get people who are like, I really want to be involved, but this has to be part of the project. And so mm-hmm. we're constantly just redefining what our project is and getting as many people involved as we can. Awesome. And stakeholder engagement is uh, quite crucial in any project. Yes, definitely. So you said the word redefine, and that reminds me of a word that's key in design thinking, and it's called reframing. Mm-hmm. So have you heard what that what that term means? Just a little bit. <laughs> Would you like to define it? The way it was <laughs> described to me by Nelson earlier today <laughs> was um, you almost have a picture frame that could be brown, but for some reason that picture frame breaks, and so you can put on a new picture frame that can be black, it can be blue, it can be whichever color you want, and so you still kind of have that same concept, but it's presented in a new way. Did that do you justice? It does. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, I like how you added all the different colors, too. Yes, blue's my favorite, so. So, coming off of that, have you guys seen your project pivot in a way that you initially didn't think it would? Um, so, our big goal with this project was to create long-term sustainable change. And starting off, we knew that was going to take a really long planning process. Obviously, the more stakeholders you bring on, the more perspectives you have, which those perspectives are great. And so I think our planning process took longer than initially anticipated and just connecting with people. Obviously, they have their um, jobs. And one of the biggest things we found out that we didn't originally know was that the SIU Foundation has their own plan moving forward. And so originally, we kind of thought it was going to be more of an independent project, but now we're starting to collaborate with them and instead of taking on like the main focus we're now more of that student focus and so um, they're allocating some resources to us and we're communicating what we think should be done with those resources. Awesome so you guys found inside tracks you found who the key stakeholders are and you're finding ways on planning out all the details so you can see your vision filled but then also others. Mm -hmm. Nice. So, do you guys have a tentative date on when you're going to begin executing? No, it's, again, like I said, it took a lot longer than anticipated. It's just kind of a lot of meetings right now. Um, Hopefully, around March, we'll actually get all of our stakeholders together in one meeting. Um, And I think that's when we'll really start hitting the groundbreaking. I don't think within my graduation time a cabin will be built, but I think the setup for the program will be able to be built by then and hopefully carried off because we do have stakeholders that are not undergraduates and so um, their jobs are here, their lives are here, and so they'll probably be able to see it more through than we will be able to. That is a great transition because um, the point I was trying to get across was the importance of planning Mm -hmm. and seeing where it goes long term. Yeah. So do you feel having all these meetings and taking more time on the planning phase will help execution or 
Would you rather definitely. just... Definitely. Okay, I'm cool. definitely a very results-oriented person. And I think just like even within our culture, we're very um, instant gratification. And so with this project and with UIF, it's really like pulling me in a different direction to be better than that and to really make that sustainable long-term change and not just make something that's really quick and then fades away within a few years. So being able to go about this large project in a small team, are there any specific classes that helped you get to the stage, maybe more on the finance side or sustainability side? Yeah, definitely. Um, One of the most influential classes I had was actually in my freshman year. It was an honors class called um, Forest and Humans. And just growing up, uh, you know, I was always in the same town. So you kind of just have the same perspective. And all of a sudden I moved to this new town and this new area. And just my perception of the environmental movement was just blown to pieces in a sense. Uh, Growing up, I always had a good relationship with business. I never thought of them as the enemy. I thought there were definitely times where business exploited the environment, and it was like, okay, how do we prevent that? And so coming into that class, we went to this meeting called the Convergence, and all of a sudden these people were like, business is the end. We need to get rid of it. And I just had never seen that side of the environmental movement, and I was like, whoa, hold up, what? This is crazy. And that confusion really led me to understand it even more and get really interested in those concepts such as the triple bottom line and the long-term stock exchange. And um, one of the big things that I'm studying now is actually derived from a class called Econ in the Environment, and it's studying how GDP, which is gross domestic product, how it incentivizes businesses to quote-unquote win. And so studying it, um, obviously I'm still an undergrad, so there's probably aspects of it that I just don't understand, but there's just a lot of loopholes within it. And one of the most obvious ones I saw was the fact that Whenever you consider under or um, unemployment, you are considered to be unemployed for the first four weeks, and after that, you're considered to be out of the labor market. So there could still be people looking for jobs, but they're no longer considered to be unemployed anymore. And I was like, "Whoa, that's not truly representing what's going on here." And so uh, the professors at SIU have been awesome about it. They really encourage conversation with me, and I'm really excited to learn about it. But something that GDP is really heavily criticized on now is it doesn't account for that sustainability or for that quality of life. So whenever a company pollutes, they get a lot of GDP points, but they're never detracted because they're harming the quality of life. They're putting pollutants in the air. GDP could have the potential to incentivize against waste and specifically with cash flows. So right now, a lot of companies, they have to source more raw materials, but how can we get it to the point where the company can recollect those raw materials and reuse them? And so it's hitting that recycling and reusing portion, and it's also saving the company profits because they no longer have to spend money on raw materials. And the first time I was kind of introduced to this concept, I went to a uh, Mississippi Basin Conference in Davenport, Iowa, and Coca-Cola has this new program called A World Without Waste. And so what they aim to do is they aim to recollect every single plastic bottle that they sell. And so in doing that, they no longer have to buy new plastic. So they're recollecting it. They're getting that intangible asset of goodwill with their consumers because their consumers are like, oh, they care about the planet. So they're really just winning all around. (laughs) So then what's all the bottles they collect? Do you think they reuse them or Um, put it back into the lines? What do you mean by that? Like they recollect the bottles. Mm -hmm. Then what happens? Um, So recycling is kind of 
an interesting process and it's definitely something I need to learn more about but you basically have to smelt it down to its pure form and so if there's like a difference in color they're not able to reuse it which is super unfortunate and so that's a big problem that they have with their campaign right now and they're trying to find solutions to that but theoretically if they released 100,000 Sprite bottles and they recollected 100,000 Sprite bottles back they can just smelt those down and reuse them again. Nice. Mm -hmm. So then you have a really minimal waste right so and you're getting positive cash flows which is pretty cool so so then connecting back to lessons learned and being applied were there any lessons you saw in other projects on campus or any other clubs or sports that you are taking from yeah definitely uh so i play women's soccer here at the division one level and that is a program that has truly taught me perseverance just because even last week, it's January, it's six in the morning and we're outside running and there's snow blowing in our face and then somehow the lights turned off and we couldn't get them back on. So I'm out in the pitch black running and it's just so easy to become frustrated with the people around you. You know, your body's tired, you've just been running a ton and it's really easy to just like snip on people. Um, but obviously that's counterproductive to what your goal is. And so really kind of learning just to be in that team dynamic, even when you're tired, when you're frustrated, when there's no lights on and the snow's <laughs> hitting your face, uh, just how to be like a good team member and still listen and still support others because the challenges you're going through, they're facing similar challenges. Um, some other RSOs that have been really influential is that Saluki Student Investment Fund. Um, we have these, per we have to do buy-sells and just, Kind of having that team dynamic where it's like we want to do the best for the fund so what i may think someone else may disagree with and having that healthy conversation of this is why i disagree with you let's build towards something collective and not just automatically being like no your opinion's different than mine i'm gonna shut you down and really just kind of listening and it's hard sometimes you know you're really passionate about a certain topic and for someone to tell you i don't think that's it it can be really discouraging um, but that's something that's really helped. And then I'm also part of the student alumni group. And that one's really cool because we just get to meet alumni all the time and build this amazing network. And obviously they're older than us. They have that real world experience. So listening from them and hearing their stories and how uh, we can avoid mistakes that they've made. Nice. Mm -hmm. So so wide range of different experiences. Yeah, definitely. Well, Kate, that's amazing conversation to be had. Um, before we go today, is there anything you would like to say to the audience? I'd just like to say thank you for tuning in, guys. This is a really cool podcast. Um, so I'm glad you guys are listening and getting to know more about UIF and SIU. And with that, we conclude another episode of Young Entrepreneurs with the Green Roof Team. Remember, folks, stay sustainable.